Rob Jones is going down because I haven't seen somebody get in the way of players as much as this boy was getting. How is he going to get out of the way the fucking size of the cunt? <laughs> Tim Sherwood here. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. You know, look at Dean put it so simply after the match, but he put it better than anybody could, as they were all bouncing down the tunnel. Those videos that we love only when they win. They're high-fiving, they're saying hello to the camera, they're saying van most to the camera. Look at Dean turned and said, another one. <laughs> it bloody well was another one. Another win, another big away win against a big team. Another win, 9 out of 13. City don't have more, Arsenal don't have more, Liverpool don't have as many, Villa into the top four, two points off the top, another win, on we go. Oh, it doesn't bode well for the next hour if you're saying, look at Dean, put it better than anybody ever could by saying another one. What, what's what's going to happen here, Colin? <laughs> well, I play the music right now, the music that everybody loves. <laughs> I mean, that was good. Like, it was painful in the first half, let's be honest. We'll, we'll probably drill down into a lot of it. Very tough to watch in the first half. But how often have we come on here after bad results and we've bemoaned the players' inability to to rise out of a rut, to shake off when things go wrong? And this was, like, it's never going to be put into starker contrast here. Things starting so badly maybe getting out of jail, but dragging yourself out of jail, still creating chances when it's going badly. And then coming out a completely different team in the second half. Smart, cohesive, confident, and get the job done. Get the job done, and on we go. Another one. <laughs> yeah, the, the first half wasn't good, but I just I sometimes wonder if, you know, if you and Unai Emery came to a clearing in our forest and you were both confronted with a river, I think the two of you would be asking very different questions. I, like, obviously, first off, you'd be asking, "What the fuck are we doing here? Why have we gone on holiday together?" To the Amazon, I'd be asking what he's wearing. <laughs> but but after that, you'd both be standing there looking at the opposite bank, and you'd be asking, "How are we going to build a bridge?" But Unai Emery's asking, "How are we going to get across this river, Connor?" And it, it turns out his plan was to fucking induce a heart attack in me and then ride my dead body to the other side because that first half. <laughs> That first half was fucking turgid. It was too slow. We were too slow to play it, too slow to move it on, too slow to give support and help each other out, too slow to break in balls. Spurs pressed and ran brilliantly for about 60 minutes of that game. Yeah. But we allowed them by standing there waiting for the ball. Every long ball seemed to be the fucking Diaby. I, I wouldn't trust him to take down a phone number, never mind a football, the way he was playing today. <laughs> because when it comes down to it, Spurs had a lot of moments, but they didn't really... Emmy Martin has made two big saves. He had a lot of moments, but did he really cause us that much, that much hassle? I mean, if Una Emery said to me, "I have to kill you to survive," I think I would have to say okay, and I <laughs> give him advice about where they stand in my corpse for grip and balance, so he can sail across the river. Yeah, I think I would trust him that it's the right decision. It's in the best interest. <laughs> The best interest of the next result of another one. Uh, whatever I can do for another one, you and I use me. I am your vessel. <laughs> <laughs> like they did have moments. A lot of them did come before their first goal. So maybe, maybe we shouldn't be judging them 
that harshly. You know, like it was very top heavy in the first 20 minutes, and that goal was fucking coming. I was actually delighted it came because it was just put me out of my misery, please. Like, like <laughs> let's get a restart on this match. Like anything just to interrupt the flow of the game. I would take a goal to interrupt this momentum. And yeah, it was it was Lacelso. Like, I mean Again, we've talked about this before. Villa love a high line, but they don't love it apparently when they're that deep in their box. They will always leave 10 yards of space for somebody standing at the edge of the box. Like, I don't understand how they never push out on this. And the Celso gets a clear sight at goal. He doesn't take it. He hits it straight at Diego Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, uh, how unfortunate the day we bring Diego Carlos in, it's his big thighs that are undoing of Emmy Martin is in. Because, I mean, if the ball is going to deflect off anything, you really hope it's not big Diego's big thighs. Yeah, and in the lead up to this, like Dean has to put the ball out again. I think it's the second time he's just coming at the back post and just nudging the ball out of play yeah. because we're under so much pressure. And then the commentators, what a hit! They both told us. Like, might have taken a nick, they told us. You might have a fucking bubble in your artery if you think this is praiseworthy. He's got his knee over the ball is about the best you can say about that and he's had it straight <laughs> at the biggest player in the fucking pitch. Like, fuck me. It was, a, it was a grand hit and it was going straight at the goalkeeper. Yeah. Yeah, Emmy Martinez was heartbroken. I knew straight away before it even went past him. It was like, it's, like, you know, it's, it's one of those ones where you... Shout out, you jammy bastard! <laughs> it's just, <laughs> just, just good luck on their part. But then we, 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 we showed that bit of adversity, or we showed that bit of response to adversity that, that we want to see, and we went straight up the pitch and we scored straight away. Ollie Walken scored from a header. Look at Dean crossed another ball flush on the money, and look at Dean. <laughs> I mean, this guy, this guy should already have broken De Bruyne's assist record in November. <laughs> It's unbelievable the amount of goals and the amount of goal assists he's been denied. I mean, this is a beautiful cross. I would say that Watkins never needs to be offside. Like Watkins can get to the other side of a player. You know, just just give yourself an extra inch. It's fine. You'll you'll make it up. And you definitely don't need to do it when Luca Dean is whipping his left foot across the ball. He will get it round as well. And you know that I had been texting you about this Arsene Wenger idea about the offside rule. It has to be daylight between the the attacker and defender, and you know I don't like it. You know I think he's smoking crack with it. But I have to say, it would have come in handy there today, wouldn't it? <laughs> it was so <laughs> I mean, if Spurs got a lot of luck with their first goal, they, I mean, this was really lucky. It was, just, was it a kneecap even that was offside? I couldn't even see what was offside. Yeah, it, it's a strange one because he's in between the two defenders as well. So it's like it's not like he needs to. It's not like he needs to go ahead of him or anything you know he's got loads of space he has a look over his shoulder to make sure he's make sure he's not offside but he actually is ahead of that guy and does nothing about it he never looks at the guy to his left and he just drifts a little bit does he drift he's probably just got a fatter kneecap than emerson <laughs> royale it's so fucking frustrating and that was the second cross into the box could have been two goals Ollie Watkins, though, as is his want, he does his best to flick that past the fucking far post as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, from, from his perspective, because I don't think he wants to score these, Conan. He catches it too well and it fucking sneaks in at the back post. But again, because the ball is so perfect, because he's got so much space, he can probably afford to give himself those six inches and just hang back a little bit and trust that Dean can put it on a fucking silver plate for him. 
Arsene Wenger, what in the name of God is this fucking lad talking about? It's like he's forgotten why the offside rule was introduced originally. <laughs> I don't think he realizes this would make the game more defensive because everybody would just drop back. Yeah, the fucking professor's lost it. <laughs> I was going to talk about Son being offside, but I mean, we, we only have an hour here. We can't be here all day. <laughs> He did score initially with the first one that he broke through. And this is the thing. In the very last game, in the very last match, Villa played Spurs. Son wasted about nine minutes of Spurs' time because he was just completing these moves that he knew he was offside. I really hope he knew he was offside. Everybody certainly did. And he, Jesus, he carried on that record again. Like he scored a hat-trick today and it was never going to count. I mean, I've never, never been more confident of, and Son puts it away and knowing that the flag is going to go up. It's just, he's, he's a non-event in Aston Villa matches suddenly. Yeah, Son doesn't know the rules. Like, let's let's get serious here for a second. I mean, <laughs> we, we all like having a bit of a laugh, but this isn't funny. It's a joke, but it isn't funny. He's the captain. He's the captain of a football team and he doesn't know all the rules. Like why, why? Why would any ref take him seriously if he approaches uh, approaches him to take, question the decision? Mm. Like why would they take him? He doesn't know what the offside rule is. He's a he's a centre forward that plays on a defender's shoulder, and he doesn't know the rule most pertinent to that rule. It's crazy. How can he have any sort of authority when he's got the referee to have a whinge? The second one, he was offside. There was two of them standing three yards behind the line. Well, like, I don't know why the ball comes onto them, but I don't know why they don't go out either. But yeah. what do they think is happening there? And then the third one, somebody hits the post. It's a good strike. And Son does well in whatever sport he's playing to stay in as all the Aston Villa defence jumps out and he gets his fucking rewards. Like I, I don't know how the Spurs backroom team are going to explain this to Son tomorrow that they actually lost. <laughs> she calls <him> soft. <laughs> For soft side, not Son side. You get it? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we dragged ourselves not even after the break. It was before the break. I think you would have. I definitely would have. So many other people would have taken 1-0 at that stage. Get the boys in. Let, let's restart. But Douglas Louise. Oh, my God. I, like, watching this, this goal back, I couldn't believe how deep they were. I mean, this would be a wet dream for Tony Pulis. Villa are basically at the halfway line. He's down beside you and I Emery. And... To get the ball that accurate, that far up the pitch, and to do it with the way it journeys around a corner is phenomenal technique. It's an unbelievable ball. It's a flush header from Pau Torres, and suddenly it's one inch. Aston Villa have brought themselves in level at the break after all that, and it's game on because of just pieces of magic from, from Louise and Torres. Yeah, it's an absolutely ridiculous pass. I, I can understand why the Spurs' back line is that deep as well. I mean, their centre-halves are Emerson Royale and Ben Davis today. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You don't want to be giving the opposition a bit of space to run into there, particularly with the players we have potentially attacking a ball. The ball is ridiculous. The shape, the arc on it is incredible. And it's a really, really satisfying header. To watch, I can only imagine how good it felt to just come straight off his forehead and into the side of the net. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. And we came out in the second half, whole new team. We'll talk a bit more about some of the tactical decisions, first half and second half in the award categories. But the second goal, the winning goal, I mean, what I loved about this was you could see Kamara looking up, surveying his options. Leon Bailey's there. He's thinking, did I, did I think that into him? He just holds on to it. He carries it forward a little bit. He's, he's calm. Villa were calm that second half. And he bangs it to Watkins, lays it off first time to Telemans. And it's just an effortless ball back to him from Telemans. Just a little no look. Actually, you're through there. Just take it back there, buddy. And Watkins, I mean, speaking of effortless, it's just the touch, the finish. It's like the finish has come off his first touch almost. It's like a one and a half touches. And I'll tell you what wasn't effortless. Can we talk about the work that Luca Dean did seconds before on the sideline over on the left-hand side to win a throw-in, to hold on to the ball under so much pressure? Showed a lot of strength that I didn't know he had as well. He was holding the boys off. Like John McGinn there at one stage. Bit of skill, again, composure, and he wins the throw-in. And that, that's exactly where Villa then worked up all into midfield and get the goal from. It's because of this hero that we're coming on here every weekend to talk about Luca Dean. Yeah, it was it was brilliant and it was absolutely exactly what we needed. That's just, I was actually just thinking, Jesus, that's great just to keep possession in that situation because we yeah. lost it so much in the first half in a position like that. Then after that, it's just lovely, simple, effective football. Great touch and finish. Like, he takes it really quickly. But he also takes it pretty far from the post and with not that much power. But luckily, this fucking Vicario lad couldn't save a fiver in the party savings. This lad's <laughs> this, this is the first time I've really, really noticed this lad. I have actually avoided Spurs for most of the season. That, may, that makes it sound like it's a lot more active than it was. I haven't actually seen many Spurs games, is what I mean by that. But Jesus Christ, I'm glad I have seen them now because I wouldn't be worried about them if he's their number one. <laughs> The only other flashpoint I wanted to talk about at the top of the show was the Kamara challenge avoiding a red card. (laughs) Or so Alan Smith told me. Alan Smith said he could be in trouble. Alan Smith said, no doubt he does catch him. I was like, what the hell happened here? I thought Villa had the ball. Looked at the replay. Bubakar Kamara passes the ball and Pedro Porro comes in and kicks him. Pedro Porro, about a half a second away from the ball, comes in and kicks Bubakar Kamara after the ball's gone, after he's passed it to Lukadin. And Sky are looking back at it, wondering, is this a potential red card? 
During the week, we were we were talking about all the players Spurs have missing, and I asked, Jesus, who do they have then? That's any good? Son, new doggy, and then I stopped, and <laughs> and you, and you offered me Pedro Paro, and I'm here to tell you, Conan, nah, like not not for me. <laughs> like this, he likes a bit of sympathy, a bit too much, doesn't he? Gets the physios on. I mean, he's not alone in the world of football. Some people are like that. Like you know, they want people to know that they're hurt. They think people are going to think that they're hard for playing on. Like I, I'm, I'm a bit more inclined to pretend that I'm not. Probably equally problematic, and you know, it doesn't doesn't really help my team either. Equally annoying for the manager because I'm more likely to get injured that way. Mm. But if you kick the bottom of someone's foot and you spend the next three minutes on the ground, like no, like this lad's not going to make it. This lad's not the player that you think he is. And I'm surprised at you as well, Conan, because I know you're much more of a Barclays ball nonce than I am. <laughs> Pedro Paro sounds like a fucking slander name that a 14-year-old would give a, a footballer on Twitter. And Jesus Christ, he plays like someone who deserves it as well. Uh, it was an absolutely brilliant win. It's an absolutely brilliant season so far. I am really enjoying myself. I must say that. I, was, <laughs> I was laughing in the first half, though, because we just come off an international break, and I had been looking forward to this match for at least a week anyway maybe not the full two weeks but i was genuinely looking forward to it and i actually said that to myself out loud at how bad this first half was and it was like i was really looking forward to this match <laughs> how stupid am i but my god this was even better than i expected it to be then because yeah they didn't play well they start with and that's just the fact they showed the heart and the togetherness and they dog out a result and they keep going it's just this team this team is special. This team could go down as one of my favourite Villa teams of all time. If they keep going the way they're going, let's not rest on our laurels. Let's keep being very demanding, as you and I would say. Yeah, and maybe the reason maybe the reason I was a lot calmer than you were in the first half as well is because during the international break, I went to the Aviva Stadium and I watched, <laughs> I sat through Ireland versus New Zealand with 26,000 other absolute morons. <laughs> well, there's better days ahead for you, Liam. No way <laughs> No international breaks until until March. And I think we've got eight more games now coming in the next month as well. So just buckle up and enjoy it. I'm certainly going to enjoy it. I think so anyway. Let's, let's leave it until Thursday night, see how much I'm enjoying it. But we'll take a quick break and we'll go to WhatsApp pointers. Have to start with your hero, you doggy. <laughs> Doesn't know the, the throw-in rule, does he? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Son doesn't know the offside rule, you doggy doesn't know the throw-in rule, and I know I should be happy we got the ball back. I'm not happy seeing a professional footballer taking a throw-in wrong and the ball having to go back <laughs> back over to the throw. Get the ball in play so we can all continue playing. It was very strange, wasn't it, the way he actually did it? It was like he bent at the hip. It was a bizarre attempt at throwing the ball. Like even, even if that wasn't the rule, it was just a strange way to do it anyway. Yeah. I don't think we are in a position that we can find Spurs players, but I will be sending off an email this week to suggest that you doggy should be handed a week's wages fine for that nonsense. The only other fine I have been handed out from an Aston Villa point of view is Pau Torres. He took a short goal kick from Emmy Martinez and proceeded to walk the ball out of play alongside Kuliseski. The two of them just walked the whole way out of play. <laughs> Yeah, Jacob Ramsey did it as well in the second half, but you obviously your antenna weren't quite as attuned at that stage because you're a lot shocked. happier because you're such <laughs> such an emotional wreck. 
I am shocked at you. I saw Jacob Ramsey doing that. I had a split second thought, like, nah, no way. I'm not I'm not doing that to Jacob Ramsey coming up. It's only his third game of the season. I'll tell you what's gone under the radar. That absolute clumpet in, for the Portugal under-21 team. He just stood on Jacob Ramsey because Jacob Ramsey won the ball. He stood on him for no reason. The ball was gone. And <laughs> Jacob Ramsey's been out for the whole season since then. Really not enough made about that. I don't know what radar you've been fucking looking at, Connor. I don't think that's going under any fucking Villa fans' radar. <laughs> and you want me to come here and find him when he's finally back? Jacob Ramsey's getting a bonus <laughs> this week. The first WhatsApp wins, though, and this is a serious. What? I don't like to question who I am, Marie, but what? what is the thinking? Like, genuinely, we can come on here, we can have a moan, we can have a laugh, but can you tell me what he is thinking when he plays Matt Cash at right wing? I... I I can't get into his head. If if it was a case that we play more defensively, I don't think I would like it, but at least I would understand. We don't. We don't play more defensively. We don't even change how we play. He just he just plays there instead of all the other really good options that we have. They play in that position. It's just Matt Cash running around up there. And then to do it, and you know I don't like this. You know I don't like John McGinn on the left, but we have to move John McGinn to the left. We have to move Kanza to right back. That means we're ripping up our centre-back partnership, and it means our attacking midfield options to move the ball through the lines, which is so important to us. They're just not as good anymore. And to make all those sacrifices for this move is really baffling. Like We, we get nothing back for it that I can see. I, 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 w- I would love to actually just you know take a bit of the passion out of it and be like, right, this is what he's thinking. But I cannot, I can't even think of one reason why you would do it. So, I was wondering, was it because of the way Spurs go in whenever they're in possession? And did he think there was an opportunity for a quicker transition there on the outside? Is that why he's playing with two essentially orthodox wingers today? Whenever he's playing in there, it is a bit strange for all those reasons that you mentioned. But you have to remember, in that first half, we scored three goals from, <laughs> or sorry, should have scored three goals from deep crosses, deep outswinging crosses from Dean into Torres. Torres definitely should have scored. Jesus Christ, that oh, was yeah. his titter. And Watkins scored an offside goal because his kneecap was bigger than Emerson Royale's. And then we scored an actual goal from the same thing. I know it was a set piece, but I wonder, was that just the plan? They're playing Emerson Royale and Ben Davis at centre half. Let's get the ball wide and let's get it into Ollie Watkins. It's 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 hard for me to think about what the other reason was for that. Other than that, I I just can't, I can't see it. I can't see the benefit of it. And if he wanted to do that, it has to be Matt Cash. I was worried a couple of months ago, and I think I mentioned it on the podcast whenever he said Matt Cash can play in the wing. So I kind of seen saw this coming, but I didn't think I'd see it against Spurs. I I didn't think that would be where he would deploy this tactic. I thought, I thought he would stick to the team that had been hammering all their teams. I thought he would go try to match up against Spurs because Spurs' team had been ripped out. I don't know why you would why you would give Spurs so much. It's not respect even. It's, it's, it's to give them a chance to settle into the game. Their midfield today was fucking shite on paper and we let them, we let them work their way into the game. We let them have the space because we didn't box off our midfield. We didn't match up against it. Very, very strange thinking for Muna Emery. Mm, In a game that we won, 2 1. <laughs> well, he went about putting it all correct, and, and we'll talk about that in the Tim Sherwood Award later on. But Muna <laughs> 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 Emery can't have a trophy in his fucking mantelpiece with Tim Sherwood written on it. <laughs> 
it strains like I can sort of see what you're saying there. Funnily, Matt Cash spent a lot of the time just coming inside. Just sorry, I sorry, and 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 I and I do. It, it didn't work. It didn't end up working out like that. But that's what I was thinking. Like it must be something like that. I would much prefer if that was the thinking to try to get space for Matt Cash to do that from right back. It's not like Matt Cash is a particularly defensive right back. And like I said, Spurs should have been, we should have been putting Spurs under a lot more pressure. They're having a terrible period of of results at the minute. They've got so many injuries. I think we should have just gone out with our strongest team. And if we wanted to put pressure on Emerson Royale and Ben Davis, not that that would have been particularly difficult for us to do, we probably should have thought about how are we going to free up space for Matt Cash to get out wide rather than just playing Matt Cash out wide. I did find it interesting though watching it because you know Matt Cash is a he does like defending as well when he's playing right back he can get stuck into it sometimes but he's not even a good defender up there There's like you know he likes to have he likes to be in the last line he likes to have his back to the wall as such and then you know no there's nothing behind him and nobody can just come full force and tackle what's in front of him up there. <laughs> You know, we've slated Bailey and Bertie T before for not looking like they knew what to do defensively. Matt Cash was just been running around. He was turning his head. He was running around in circles in defense. It was like, oh my God, maybe maybe I should be giving Bailey and Bertie T a lot more credit for it. Maybe Matt Cash will now understand that it's not as easy as it looks when you're defending from there up there. Yeah, and Colin, we've given out to each other for not being able to defend the way Matt Cash was defending today. I mean, he was getting done by one-twos like you wouldn't believe. It was pathetic stuff. Couldn't follow his man. Was st- just started pointing at Kanza and Kanza's like, what? That's, yeah. that's definitely not my man. Why am I drifting out here now because of you? Because you've fallen asleep yet again. He didn't mm. know what he was doing. The first 20 minutes, Kanza didn't know what he was doing either. The two of them just looked like they were absolutely lost in the positions. It was like... Kanza's so used to having Matt Cash to his right anyway. Maybe Kanza just thought he was playing centre half. Yeah. And the first four minutes, the, the centre backs were just being split apart, ball over the top. And I was like, maybe try Kanza centre back. I mean, <laughs> do we want to just go back to what that what works really well? But the next WhatsApp wins, and you sort of touched on it. I don't think you're going to like it that much. But do, do these boys know Ben Davis is playing centre back against Diaby? <laughs> I know you're saying they hit the Abbey ball, but just push it in front of him. Give the Abbey something to chase. I mean, it, it seemed like so often the midfielders were, uh, they just didn't have control of the ball. They were running until they lost it. They were trying to get it under control instead of just pushing it forward. Give the Abbey one ball to chase with Ben Davis backtracking. Didn't see it one time. I almost captained this boy on fantasy football. <laughs> Christ, you know, I, I nearly wish he did come. But um <laughs> Yeah, it was strange. I mean, like the Abbey just wasn't involved in the game at all. And I did feel like I, I did feel a bit sorry for him because every ball he did get was just Ben Davis leaning on his back and heading the ball away. It was strange that we didn't try to exploit it. The balls out to our forward players weren't good because Spurs were so good at putting pressure on us. Spurs yeah. did a brilliant job of closing us down. But that was I think that was because of our shape. Our shape didn't work against what Spurs were doing. And our shape is the shape we had today isn't the shape that we're used to playing either. The, the only ball the Abbey was getting, like the only reasonable ball you could you could think you could get under control was when Kanza had it at right back and Cash wasn't an option. Kamara was being blocked off, centre back was being blocked off. And he was being clever, thinking, "Okay, I'll just, I'll just get this up to Diaby. I'll go through the line." 
but then the Abbey was under so much pressure trying to get that under control, coming into a more crowded zone as well. Somebody up his arse. I mean, ah, oh, it was. I think that's yeah, right. I just, right. To give 20 minutes ago, me a bit of credit whenever I was slagging off the Abbey. The, the, Abbey made, the Abbey made a lot of really bad decisions as well today. Like the Abbey looked like he wanted to play right back a lot of that fucking game. He was turning back so much and running back towards yeah. his own goal. He's put through once or twice and he's turning away again as well. The Abbey just wasn't good today. Forget about the balls up to his chest. Fucking, he had a few balls in his feet and he didn't, didn't do anything with them. Yeah, Jesus, let me clarify. Yeah, I, I don't I'm not making an excuse for Diaby at all. <laughs> I thought he was awful. I was happy to see him go off at half time, but I uh I, I, I was more frustrated that we just didn't try a couple of balls as well in behind them. Not even a Diaby thing, just to, like can we get at Royale and Ben Davis, please? Come on. <laughs> Look at gift horse in the mouth, like just take it. But the uh, I had another WhatsApp point. it was Torres and Dougie conceding those fouls at the end of the game, and they don't give a fuck about my mental health. Oh my god, like just unnecessary fouls, lazy, giving them free when they weren't going to cut us open any other way. It was quite annoying. And the other one that we have to talk about, and Joel pointed this out on Twitter as well, but he said that's (laughs) that's quite some running motion from Diego Carlos. (laughs) And Diego Carlos was good today, we'll give him all his praise in the Vimin meter, but. Yeah, don't like seeing him having to chase back after Son in a 60-yard foot race. It looked like he was running through the wind or something. Like His <laughs> legs were coming unusually high, like he was stepping through something. Um, definitely giving his all, we have to give him that. Yeah, that was that was particularly frustrating. I mean, that was that was Son was three yards offside for that one. And Diego Carlos, like how much trouble have we had with this lad trying to get him fucking fit? And then we and then he has to he has to go through that. Fucking Spurs planting a runway of custard across the pitch, and then the linesman just letting this happen anyway as well, just happily watching him trying to plod through this fucking ridiculous stuff. Let's take a break, and we're going to come back with the award categories after this. Good evening. I wanted to speak directly to our supporters to confirm the transfer of our captain, Jack Greedlish. And now we've been gutted, organ donors for the rich, Boston's taking our kidneys, Yankees have taken our heart. And to explain the background to this move. It's an unfair game. We offered Jack a new contract to stay at the club. Like this is business as usual. It's not. We agreed to incorporate a so-called release clause into his contract. Billy, that's trouble. Billy, if I may, uh, he certainly has had his problems off the field. Jack finally decided that he would like to go to City. We're trying to solve the problem here, Billy. Not like this, you're not. You're not even looking at the problem. We have planned accordingly. We've got to think differently. It was never our intention to replace Jack with one footballer. Guys, we're still trying to replace John. I told you we can't do it. We can't do it. Our strategy was to analyze and break down Jack's key attributes. Now, what we might be able to do is recreate him. Recreate him in the aggregate. What? A what? His creativity, his assists, his goals. That's what we're looking for. And to find these qualities and others in three forward players. Three ball players, three ball players. And in doing so, have also reduced an over-dependency 
on one brilliant football. Add that up, you get Emiliano Buendia, Leon Bailey, and Danny Ings. They truly are the future. If we try to play like the Yankees in here, we will lose to the Yankees out there. I don't know what that means. It's a very competitive Ronnie Rosenthal award. It's actually going to be tough to pick the real winner from this, but let's start. Let's start with your hero, you doggy. Lovely, lovely <laughs> ball from Pedro Porro. Amazing, perfect, inch perfect ball from Pedro Porro. Putting the doggy. <laughs> and it's a deep run. You had you had worried about it. You'd, you'd said you hope people don't spot the way past the high line is to have a, a runner coming from deep. And when it's your fullback, when it's your doggy, they can make inroads from deep. And like it's just a, it's a deep run past Kanza actually. And Pedro Porro puts your doggy through, and he just panics like no no composure. He balloons it over the bar. Yeah, yeah. Kanza seems to Kanza seems to leave him. He, he, he thinks he thinks Carlos is going to get the ball. He he passes him off without telling him. Like Kanza has at times this season looked like he's telepathic, the way he's reading the intentions of forward players. But for your telepathy to work, somebody else has to be able to receive it. And I don't think Diego Carlos is telepathic, Esri. <laughs> you can't just pass him off while remaining silent. Tell him Carlos doesn't know you, dog. He's coming bombing in behind him. Very, very strange defending from Kanza. Kulisevsky had a Big, big chance. Some weird Pau Torres defending, trying to hold somebody off. He just ran around the other side of him. And uh, they put they sit Diego Carlos down, who's sort of on tilt, just stretching across, trying to block it. And Kulisevsky, who's shown a bit of composure, now just drills it off the post. It was very strange. He had a big section of that net just to put the ball into. It's terrible from McGinn in the build-up as well. The short pass to Douglas Luiz. Douglas Luiz isn't on his toes enough either, but... McGinn plays it blind. And then the weirdest, Torres wins the ball, but he donates <laughs> his prize to the fucking Tottenham Hotspurs Infirmary. I don't know what <laughs> he was playing at there. And, and Kulisevsky, you're right, does absolutely brilliant and makes a mug of Carlos, who does brilliant for a bit of last let's defend him. But Jesus, great free from Kulisevsky. But Jesus, the finish isn't good. <laughs> it's never seen a ball hit the post that cleanly as well. I just thought it was in. Like, even before a shot, I was like, ah, oh, there we go. And then just, dunk! <laughs> <laughs> Lying back out. But uh, Pau Torres, before he made a hero of himself, like that header, another lovely Luca Dean ball, another amazing assist from Luca Dean that will never be. And Pau Torres heads it wide. You could say it was it was Ollie Watkins bad, that bad headed miss. Yeah, he has to score. It's it's really, really simple. The ball is absolutely perfect. And he, it looks weird. It's like his neck's got into his head, uh, got into his top as he's head in it. You know, it looked like he was fucking a, a little turtle there, a little shit coming out of his arsehole. Just fucking stick your head in that. Put that shit in the net. <laughs> Brian Gill had a really tame shot of his left foot on the left side. But at this stage, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. I, I thought, see, I thought without Madison... <laughs> Spurs would just be looking for balls over the top they saw him, and I knew he'd be offside so it should be fine but they, they'd shown a couple of nice little passes of the play at the edge of the box just they run in through the lines and I was like oh no and Brian Gill thankfully got that chance and he should have done way better and then uh, the, the big Pau Torres was a big one let's split this into the first half and second half and see what the worst was for the first half because the big one then was Douglas Louise turning the ball over getting it to Watkins getting it to Abbey everybody did the right thing except the Abbey, 
I mean, like I've said before, oh, it's, it's it's lousy that he's playing in these crowded areas. He's not getting that chance. I'm saying, I'm saying today he didn't get a ball played in front of him. He got a ball played through on goal. It's on his left foot. Just just wrap your foot around it, and he tries to. He loses it trying to come back out. You know, I don't mind people losing the ball, but when they're they're losing it, doing the wrong thing, it's really it's really hard to stomach. Yeah, I think Watkins can push it a bit further ahead of him, but it's not Watkins' fault that Diaby decides to turn into three Spurs players. It's it's a, such a strange decision. The ball's slightly behind him. I think he can just sweep that first time. Yeah. Doesn't seem to remember that Vicario's the goalkeeper for Spurs. Very, very strange. I don't know why. Like, what, like what is he, why does he think he's got a better chance coming back out and drifting and then using somebody else in front of him to try and bend it around them? You're through on goal. Just have the shot, pal. You're not going to get a better chance than being through on goal. <laughs> <laughs> um, who do you think the winner was here because I mean Paolo Torres was bad but then your doggies was really bad and Kulosevsky's is probably my winner for the first half I think, I think Paolo Torres is, is the worst I think maybe it's just because it's the one that angered me the most the other two were more relieving than anything your doggies stretching it's a really bad finish he is a fullback the best fullback Spurs have and the, the Kulisevsky one is <laughs> ah, like Kulisevsky does so well beforehand to absolutely rinse Carlos. It's hard to tell. Diego Carlos had one as well where the ball just comes into him. It's absolutely ridiculous. Oh, yeah. it, like it, I know he's right footed, but I would suggest if you want to get the ball onto your right foot, the best way to do that isn't to completely air shot it with your left and let the ball hit off your standing right foot. Fuck me, it was dreadful. <laughs> Could be a what the fuck winner just yet, but the second half, Leon Bailey. I don't, I don't think I want to see this boy starting a game anymore because he looks so good when he comes on. He, he, look, he just looks great, especially when he's coming on to a game like this when things aren't going well. He's just bouncing across the ground. He looks like he's got a lot of energy. He looks like he's got so much positivity. He looks very confident. And in this one, you're sort of like, yeah, go on, get at the defender, and he gets on to his left, goes by you, doggy, like he's not even there. <laughs> and he has a shot and it's, it's uh, lettuce hands from Picario who just goes on to the post I was hoping it would hit off his head and go in but there wasn't enough power on it and then Ben Davis like Jesus he's, he's about one yard out uh, maybe the ball's a bit high but he's probably too too close into the line as well and he heads over yeah, the Bailey one it's absolutely brilliant from McGinn initially this lovely vision and then a great pick out unbelievable first touch from bailey doesn't slow his momentum at all does really well to shift the pass for his best fullback shifts it past someone else as well in the way and then this the shot's not great not enough power on it not close enough to the post but what has happened to vicario there i mean it looks like he's throwing a tea towel on top of the ball to try to stop it it was absolutely pathetic and it only it absolutely it deserved hitting off the back of his head and going into the net the attempt to save was so bad <laughs> Luca Dean had a free kick that was saved. Ollie Watkins then headed a Luca Dean corner wide from it. He thought it was funny. I didn't. And then, <laughs> and then Emmy Martinez. Emmy Martinez likes to be a match winner, and this was classic Emmy Martinez. I mean, Brennan Johnson actually does well. It's a lovely little touch that takes him through the lines. It's a breakaway from Spurs. I think Son Diego Carlos does well. He stands Son up, but Son finds. Brendan Johnson just 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 nicks it through in front of himself. It's a great save from Emmy Martinez. Just reads it like an open book, and then Hoiberg from long range. And like, madly, we've seen him do this a few times. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a brilliant save from Emmy Martinez. I mean, that's that that is Martinez. It's it's, it's two of the classic saves of Emmy Martinez. Just reading 
such a fast one-on-one situation so well and then being able to spring that far up to the top corner that quickly like he did for the second one the ollie Watkins header icon and he has to start scoring these i mean he thinks the only way to head the ball is to flick it to the back post like maybe it's just as simple as someone explaining that to him if you see that big 24 foot by eight foot frame you can head it anywhere there anywhere you like especially if Vicario was in nets. You don't have to flick it past the back post. He was at the front post, and he headed it all the way across the fucking frame with a goal. Infuriating. The touch from Brennan is absolutely brilliant, and it was really triggering for me as well, because this morning I somebody played me a very, very similar ball, and I just plotted the ball straight back to the opposition goalkeeper. The touch was so heavy. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. And then the lad said, that's a really difficult, really difficult uh ball to control and he was just trying to be nice I, was, I can fucking control that I was <laughs> so the most underhanded saving of somebody's skin of all time I, was, I can fucking control he's saying I'm shite he told yeah. me a really hard ball to control fuck off the intensity is probably anyway. higher not much though <laughs> I'd say I hold myself to a higher standard than Brennan Johnson as well <laughs> absolutely brilliant from Martinez I'd expect him to save that though because he is such a brilliant goalkeeper. And then the strike from Heuberg, it's a really, really good strike. And it's a really, really good save. The last nomination I have, Kamara had a nice shot, actually. And then John McGinn retrieves it on the end line and he's just sat it up well. I don't know what happened here. Watkins was wanted everybody to believe it was a corner off Ben Davies. I don't know if it was or... Even if it was, I think Watkins still got his head on it and headed it into him. I think he, I think he could have been doing better there. Didn't really get to see much of a replay. It's a decent hit from Kamara on the ball, though. I mean, anybody gets a shot on target against that keeper is all right by me. Watkins gets himself booked. Watkins gets himself booked because he's whinging about the ball hitting Davis on the way out. He should be getting booked because his shirt is hitting the fucking ground on his way out of the pitch to jump into the crowd. That was pathetic. He's nosed it into the back of Davis's head when he's six inches out from the net. Fucking put the two, the ball and Davis into the net. What are you doing all year? Fucking centre forward. Ben Davis is playing centre back. You have to score that. You're literally on the line. Why have you headed it down? And then if he thought he was safe from another nomination, he's also the winner of the Peter Eichmann What the Fuck Award. Ollie Watkins, John McGinn. Does that thing, uses his arse. He doesn't just take the, the route that people want him. He comes across the midfielder and he drives straight and he puts it in front of Ollie Watkins, who trips over himself. <laughs> <laughs> Tripped over himself. He's the winner. But what's the winner of the second half nominations? It might be Brennan Johnson, even though it was obviously all Emmy Martinez's brilliance, but he was through there and he's got a lot of the goal to look at as well. Call me old fashioned. I think a centre forward should be scoring from six yards outcome. Six inches out. <laughs> Ollie Watkins is the winner. The, <laughs> the Tim Sherwood, we played two number 10s and bamboozled them. Award. Probably just the way we came out. The transformation after the break. The, the composure on the ball. We slowed it down. We penned them in. We we were sort of the antithesis of Spurs. Like they, they were a bit more just shit or bust. It was like all go or, or nothing. And... We were actually, when we had that opportunity to like, oh, maybe maybe there's a, an opening here. It was like, no, let's just go up here, calm down, get our breath back, bang the ball around, and don't worry, we'll open them up when we want to anyway. <laughs> and, and, and like, probably a big part of that 
I know he brought Bailey on. I know Bailey was good, but I think bringing Telemans on and just having him drop a bit deeper into midfield just to, for this game, it was just a bit nicer. Just gave us that option. That ball was on a bit more. He was able to turn on it. We just got possession higher up the pitch. Yeah, and I know we, we gave uh, Unai a bit of a, a do in there as well, but you have to wonder, was this part of his plan all along? Like, you know, playing cash at right back you know, looks like a more defensive setup. Playing a flat four four two looks like a more defensive structure. And was he just thinking, Spurs can't possibly play they want the way they want to play for this full game. They can't do it. The players are going to be fucking wrecked. Remember, most of these players don't play a hell of a lot of football as well. So they don't have those miles in their legs that can keep them going for that long. Maybe he was looking at their bench thinking, ordinarily, that would get them out of trouble here. But they've got nobody to bring on. Was he doing the fucking the Rocky three approach to management here, you know, just taking punches, telling them that ain't so bad, waiting for them to punch themselves out. Oh, Liam, keep talking, keep talking. (laughs) (laughs) And and they did. And we absolutely dominated the last 30 minutes of that game because Spurs were done. You're right. We were able to play the way we normally play. Then we slowed it down, passed the ball around. Kamara really came into it controlling the game. Telemans was brilliant after he came on. And I was actually just thinking for a lot of that second half, get the ball to Bailey quicker. Get it to him as much as you <laughs> fucking can because he's got these boys on toast. That's how easy it was for us in the second half. Honestly, yeah, it, 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 you're bang on. I, I, I had the exact same thought because one of the things I wrote down for the you like Glenn Whelan take a 90th minute penalty award and I wanted to talk about cash. We talked about him on WhatsApp when the winner is Ange because... Spurs can't maintain 90 minutes like that, obviously. They, they can't, and he needs to figure out a way going forward of what, what system or what style of play can we play that we can actually maintain for 90 minutes, or how can we control the game a bit better? They, they completely died out. And and then I started looking back in hindsight then thinking, is that why Emery was so happy to go in at the break 1-1? His celebrations for that goal were unbelievable. But it was almost like, fuck, amazing, because we're definitely going to score at least two. You know, we're definitely going to get another goal. And now we've given ourselves a really good chance at, at, at going on and winning this game because they did completely die out. It was it was Rocky coming up saying, you know, I may be stupid, but I ain't breathing heavy. You know, if Villa weren't breathing heavy when it came down to it, they were the ones with the legs. They were the ones that played smarter ball. They, yeah, they, uh, At one stage, I was like, Alan Smith is talking like this game is over and there's about 19 minutes left. But it did just really peter out, and that must be really disappointing from a Spurs point of view. Yeah, well, or maybe they should just be glad that they only lost by one goal whenever they're bringing on fucking Oliver Skip and Eric Dyer's warming up for most of the second half. <laughs> The John Gregory, if I had a gun, I would have shot him. Quote of the week. You never have to go far to find this. You just go onto Instagram. You just type in Unai Emery. (laughs) Unai Emery, by the way, who had another lovely quote. He was out in Milwaukee to visit the Bucks over with Wes Edens. And he was really enjoying himself. Good to see him being treated well during the international break. You know, just being put up. Good, Good to see him educating himself further as well. We know he's going to be doing that, but then he came out 149 years for this fantastic club. Happy birthday, Villa. More great memories are yet to come up the Villa. I don't think anyone has ever been more easily pleased than you. I mean, that quote is so 
inane, really, Conan. Like, let's get real. If it wasn't somebody you love, say, I mean, you got excited there a second ago whenever I quoted Rocky Three. Fuck me. You got so excited that you quoted it yourself again, fucking two and a half minutes later. <laughs> this is this is just brilliant. More great memories are yet to come. I mean, you're basically like Adrian and Rocky Four telling me that I can't win, stand at the top of the stairs, telling me to not go to Russia. <laughs> and me and I are at the bottom of the stairs saying maybe I can't win. Maybe maybe all I can do is take everything I got. And you know what? To stop Villa getting into the top four, they're going to have to be willing to die themselves. Yeah, you're going to be a bit like Apollo Creed at the start of Rocky Four if we keep going down this road. <laughs> Let's do the Vyman meter. I've never looked forward to the Vyman meter as much in my life and step forward Diego Carlos I mean, this, the fact that he's playing this match now he's like this boy is back you know I, I feel like when Diego Carlos was playing some of the games this season it was just like yeah like you know we're, we're getting minutes in these legs we're playing them when we can I don't think it was looking at him <laughs> as equally as the other players but now he's playing away to Spurs like he, he's, he's, he's shifting the whole team around to get Matt Cash at right back but he's happy to do that because he's happy to play Diego Carlos with Son there as well I think I was worried about Diego Carlos and Torres there but uh, it didn't really have to be they, they played the offside line perfectly he had, <laughs> <laughs> he had this flick clear from, from a Pedro Porro ball as well and you know like that's going to be a good ball in he was playing it into Son and he just he just flicked it out to Kamara. It was Kanza esque, I would say. And then he just whips out his passing artillery in the second half, just dinking it over players, banging it long, drilling it into feet further away. Like he, he was he was on it. He had a big tackle on Son as well, sliding tackle. Yeah, th- this guy was really good. Yeah, I, th- I think the, my favorite thing that he did there was a moment there just after we gave the ball away. I think and. The ball loops into the air. Konza, who couldn't get his position in right for the first 20 minutes of that half, didn't know where he was supposed to be. Turns out he didn't even know where his goalkeeper was supposed to be. Turns out that was in between the post Cesare, same as every fucking week, and gets in the way of Martinez. Martinez drops the ball. He drags Konza back by the shirt and jumps on top of the ball himself. And just as all that is happening, big Diego Carlos just leans into Brian Gill's head. <laughs> Brian Gill thought he was going to get a penalty for it as well. Little he knew the VAR wasn't working at that stage, but <laughs> Leon I, 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 I thought whenever he said VAR wasn't working at that stage as well, I thought there was something wrong with the cameras or the computers or something. But then they said Jared Gillett was in Stockley Park, and I realized that's what they meant by VAR is not working. <laughs> this, this is what I always say about the. Sheffield United game after lockdown, after everything opened up again, Villa Sheffield United for some reason was the first match. Everybody was watching it because everybody was at home and and obviously the goal line technology wasn't turned on for the first half. And I was it was always like, they turned it on at half time, relax, like it was on for the second half. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, going up Leon Bailey and for so many reasons, but Cracking back on Kulosevsky. Poor Kulosevsky thought he was away. He thought it was Torres and Diego Carlos chasing him. And Leon Bailey was just flying by him. He actually went too fast. He had to come back out to tackle him. <laughs> and I, I, I questioned before, why why is Diaby why is Diaby on the halfway line when we've got corners? But maybe this is why. Maybe it's just Diaby or Bailey, whoever our fastest players are. You're the ones going to have to chase if, if this all goes wrong. But come on, I mean, like he skipped past the what the fuck moment just because Ollie Watkins fell on his face, which is obviously going to win. But Kulisevsky has to realize that it's Leon Bailey he's one-on-one with here. 
All he has to do is move the ball and he's through on goal, one on one with Henry Martinez. He would have missed anyway. But Jesus Christ, you have to understand who's defending against you there. There's not more frustrating than seeing somebody you know is faster than the opposition player or you know the opposition player is a centre forward or a winger and they refuse to try to go. Leon Bailey isn't going to stop Kulusevsky there if he does a step over. Fuck me. What you don't understand is that Kulusevsky's heart was broken and it was broken by maybe the top performer on the Vyman meter this season, Luca Dean. All afternoon, Luca Dean knew he had him. I've never seen Luca Dean be so positive in his movement when he's one on one with a player. He just kept coming out at the ball. Yeah. <laughs> always stepped forward, always tackled him, pushed him, got in. He, like honestly, Kulisevsky was just I felt like his spirit was crushed and it was because of Luke. At the, I mean, we can talk about his balls. I mean, the assists he's not getting, the work that he's doing, he's so fit now as well. But like, again, defensively, he was just, he was really enjoying that challenge and he was by far on top of it. Yeah, he was very, very de- decisive defending from Luka Dean. He knows Kulusevsky is going to turn on to his left foot, so that makes his job easier. He can just dive in. If he dives in and doesn't miss the ball, or and doesn't get the ball. Kulosevsky's running into traffic anyway. It was it was really really moronic play from Kulosevsky a lot of the times as well because Dean has committed. But maybe that was just because his heart was broken because Dean just seemed like he had his number all afternoon. Yeah. John Duran is back and John Duran is flying up the Lima meter. That tackle on Emerson Royale. <laughs> what? Where the hell did that come from? Big side tackle. It came from him losing the ball about five seconds earlier. <laughs> he was carrying it into the corner. He was holding boys off. And his header, the big headed clearance as well. I mean, Spurs, like the stadium was completely quiet at that station. You could hear Emmy, you could hear Kanzi, you could hear Pau. They were all screaming, even though he gave away a corner again with the header, but it was just... Nothing nearly scored from. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Uh, it was the Ben Davis one they nearly scored from. And you know, before it, I had a thought that I might write down after this corner. It was like Spurs of a very polite corner setup. I don't know what it was. It just didn't look threatening. But maybe that's maybe that's the mark of a good corner setup. It didn't look threatening. <laughs> and then when the ball went in, somebody was in a position to head the ball. But uh, but yeah, John Duran, like the big head cleared, a big tackle, holding boys off. Just, just a good shift for a few minutes work. <laughs> he put himself about in, in a very short space of time. Yeah, and I, I'm delighted to have him back. And I actually wanted him on the pitch a little bit earlier as well because Ollie Watkins was labouring a little bit, much more than you'd ever normally see Ollie Watkins labour. And I just could, I just couldn't resist the idea of bringing on John Duran. And I was right, he was he was brilliant when he came on. The speed of him across the ground as well to close lads down. A couple of times he realised he had to do it. A couple of times he realised he was the freshest player and he probably would get there quickly. A couple of times he realised it was Emerson Royale he was up against. Brilliant, brilliant all-around performance from John Duran. Emmy Martinez going up, not just for the shortest sleeve t-shirt that isn't a vest that he was wearing afterwards. I mean, it wasn't a vest. It was very, very short sleeve t-shirt. But for his celebrations afterwards, boys were going over clapping. And then Emmy Martinez just came past them all and did a big Emmy Buendia jump and punch into the air. (laughs) Got the two fists going. Bailey was following him because Bailey was just feeling great. And he was jumping about as well. Uh, like you mentioned, like obviously the saves and stuff like that, but yeah, the, the decisiveness of just pulling us <laughs> get the fuck out of the way. I'll clear up this mess that we both created. They were like, Don't do anything, get back here, pulls me to the ground. 
eyes on the ball himself. And maybe he should always go up when he is wasting a bit of time and manages to knock at a yellow card. Crazy that he didn't get a yellow card, really, especially with Rob Jones as the referee. Yeah. The, the, the weirdest thing about that is I don't think any of our players look like they've played with the fucking bros officiating before. Like, they, did they think that Rob Jones and the boys woke up this morning, banged out fucking 50 100k barbell curves with their fucking foreheads to start giving up free kicks for lads falling over softly? It was so weird the first 20 minutes. The Villa players are just looking up. At Rob Jones looking for a free. There's one with John McGinn. John McGinn was brilliant in the second half. The first half, absolutely crazy. John McGinn just goes down on his knees and looks up at Rob Jones. I think Brennan Johnson gets a chance from it. Yeah. To, to be fair to John McGinn, I couldn't see his lips. I don't know what he was actually saying. Maybe he got on his knees to pray because he thought that was the only way Rob Jones would give him a free kick. Maybe he got on his knees to show Rob Jones that he would do literally anything to get a free kick. Because that seemed to be the only way we would get a free kick from that nutcase. <laughs> I think as well to be fair to give John McGinn but maybe he should realize this as well but they, they, they give him one little uh, bit a bit of uh, not praise but like just to give him one bit of reprieve is Rob Jones gave a couple of very soft ones just before but all the more reason for he wasn't going to give another one not in the middle of the pitches right <laughs> <laughs> he gave Konza one and somebody else around the defense and it was like oh is, is that a free really and it, yeah he doesn't want to give those fouls so he definitely was going to try and get out of it yeah he gave Konza two very soft ones now that you say that in the box I was really really the dark days of Ezra Konza diving as the form of defense <laughs> yeah. was back today Christ I don't want to see that again Rob Jones is going down because I haven't seen somebody get in the way of players as much as this boy was getting. How is he going to get out of the way the fucking size of the cunt? <laughs> There's always, like, so many times you can see players having to like, physically throw him. Like, get out, I'm trying to tackle this boy. He always find himself in the wrong position. Yeah, he did, yeah. It wasn't. It was a really bad performance for Rob Jones. And I feel like I've said that more than once, Colin. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, we, we've got Diaby going down, we got Cash going down. Is there anybody going up that I that I've missed? I feel like I've gotten them all there. I mean, I don't think it's a Dougie Louise going up. He looked very tired today, coming back from coming back from Brazil. Maybe maybe I'll give him that Bible. But yeah, it must have been really fucking exhausting going to sleep in his business class flight for three hours. <laughs> but, but I feel like I've gotten everybody. Watkins can't go up. Um. Bubakar Kamara was really good at the end of the second half. He did a couple of lovely little shuffles of the hips as well during that game. Got away with a red card as well. Don't forget, that's always a plus. <laughs> well, he is suspended for the next game, so maybe that 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 voids his going up on the vitamin meter because I don't like going into the I don't like going into any game without any of these players. But but I see Tim, big Tim, get the food in the Rugmanen back on the bench, so I'm looking forward to maybe seeing a bit more of him. <laughs> Let's go to questions we can't answer, but probably will. Has there ever been a case of a team cheating and getting absolutely no advantage from that cheating as much <laughs> as much as Everton? Uh, it feels like a very harsh punishment, I think, with the landscape as well. It's a harsh punishment because Everton have been punishing themselves over the last few years. It's overspent by, I think it was 20 million in the end by the time they sold Gordon and Richardson. And also, obviously, with Man City being charged last year of 115 offences by the same league, who then let Man City go on and, and win the, the league and are top of the league again, or Arsenal are top for, for now. But <laughs> the Man City were also thrown out of the Champions League, don't forget that. And it wasn't that they, 
it wasn't that they got off on that. It was that they managed to delay it for so long that the statute of limitations went up after five years. Man City then got to not be thrown out of the Champions League. So they've been found guilty in Europe. They have been charged in England. Obviously, Chelsea are involved in this as well. Everton are the ones getting done by Everton, given a 10-point deduction. And you sort of thought it might be all right. Like, you know, they're still only two points away from the drop. They'll, they'll, they'll win and get back out of it. But actually then Luton are now going on a little bit of a it run and they've opened that gap up and now Everton are suddenly five points behind. Yeah, I was actually watching uh, watching Pep Guardiola's press conference yesterday and listening to him say, which he always says, to be fair, you know, I asked the owners and they assured me, blah, blah, blah. I told them if they're lying, blah, blah, blah. And I was thinking, ah, that's clever. Shifting the blame, plausible deniability. Then I realized I was falling under the trap that your pals in the media have fallen in. They've been making him a central character of this story. Like I've turned him into some sort of super villain when in reality he's just a cunt. Like I, I don't have to I don't have to give him an origin story. He's not really a part of this. He's just someone who is a very good manager. And instead of taking the glamour of the Man United jobs ten years ago, took the took the easy way out and started indulging in a bit of financial doping. Like maybe he did feel like his powers were waning and decided to give himself a boost. I'm sure, they're all out of Conan. Everyone's doing it, Conan. Like I'd be, I'd be surprised though, because as we know, after being banned for doping, taking Andrelin when he was in Italy, he was obviously, as we all know, subsequently cleared of that. So he didn't dope when he was a player, and his powers are waning. So I don't know why we would suspect him now of financially doping. Completely unrelated to that, I was actually thinking there the other day. Why would a multi-millionaire footballer take Nandrelin just to prove along the career by another year or two? I don't really think it's worth it. I mean, one of the side effects is that it causes baldness by throwing your hormones all out of whack. <laughs> but anyway, that's not related to whatever it is we were just talking about. Oh, yeah, Pep Guardiola. Pep Guardiola, like, does he know he is the most effective piece of sports washing in the fucking world? I mean, his bank manager certainly does. I don't know why he bothers fielding these questions from journalists, why he keeps defending Man City, because he's going to look like a fucking twat if they Everton punishment has been anything to go by, if how hard they've come down in Everton has ever anything to go by. And he's right, it is different. One of the ways it's different is that Everton were done for one thing, Man City have been accused of 115 things. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the questions that are going around, but this is a question we can't answer, is did Darwin call Pep? Bald after the Liverpool game as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually what some people are reporting. It's, a, it's an interesting one to keep an eye on, anyway. <laughs> that was that was incredible. That uh, the Pep Guardiola got involved with that. Why is Pep Guardiola taking on Darwin Nunes? Like, surely, surely he can just walk past that. Surely he's a big enough man to just let. A fucking 24-year-old lad who's been running around all day to no end, who's obviously all hyped up. He was on the pitch. Why is fucking Pep Guardiola not able to control his emotions in this situation? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's a side effect or something he took that morning. What, what I can't understand is how much longer are Man City fans going to accept Pep Guardiola criticizing them publicly for the biggest trigger that they have uh, of the fans being quiet of the empty had how how every season he's coming out and saying that they're too quiet he's giving out to them it's amazing and it's just it's just feeding he's feeding the trolls he's, he's giving everybody who wants to slag off man city all the ammunition they need i can't believe they maybe maybe all the trophies that they win maybe the football maybe maybe it pays off and then maybe they'll accept that for him to be handing the trolls 
all the ammunition they want, but I think it's mad that he, he doesn't seem to realise what a sensitive pinch point that is for them. I'm sure he thinks his bodyguards can protect him from the fucking hundred man city fans that are there at the end of the game. <laughs> did you did you watch that game? The atmosphere was absolutely pathetic. It was the same as the the Spurs game today as well. It was bizarre how quiet those stadiums were. Those the fifty thousand to seventy thousand seater stadiums were so quiet during periods of that game. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, yeah. Well, Pep said it was twelve thirty. In fairness, so. <laughs> I know I've run out of energy at twelve thirty in the fucking afternoon. <laughs> anyway, let's leave it there. We've got a lot of games ahead, so I suppose we should start pacing ourselves. But this was absolutely brilliant. Another massive result, another result, and we're in the top four now. It's not like we're going to be lingering on fifth for the rest of the season. We're actually <laughs> in the top four now. We're in the Champions League places. It's ours to lose. We are in control of our destiny. And you and I, Emery, is in control of Aston Villa. Remember that as you go about your Monday. You and I, Emery, is in control of Aston Villa. Everything is great. Just enjoy it. Enjoy it. See you later. All the best. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.